Welcome to Mint. My name is Adam Levy, and I'm going to be showing you how the creators of today are building the communities of tomorrow by harnessing the power of Web3. This episode welcomes the duo behind Overstimulated, Daniel Allen and Henry Chatfield. Henry is Daniel's community manager in the Overstimulated DAO, and Daniel Allen is the creative mind behind the renowned EP in Web3 titled Overstimulated. Uh, if you guys remember, if you tuned in, if not, do so. But I had Daniel... Uh, back in October, I think it was October 19th, and it was just around the time where his Mirror Crowdfund kind of launched and he raised over $180,000 in less than 48 hours that kind of brought his name to life in Web3 and has made him a prominent voice for where music intersects with crypto. And uh, I wanted to have him on again for season four because he launched that project in an effort to bring this EP to life where he gave 50% ownership of his EP to his crowdfund supporters, okay, in the form of the Overstim token, created an entire community around it, aka a DAO, um, and finally released the piece of art to the world, which he'll be celebrating live uh, this upcoming January 13th, uh, Thursday in LA for a live performance with some secret special guests that we reveal uh, down the line in the conversation. Uh, but I wanted to have him on again to kind of recap the entire timeline from issuing the Mirror campaign to where he's at right now and bringing this Web3 native project to life alongside Henry, who's been a very integral part in being a community manager, a community steward, and allowing Daniel to focus on the creative craft where Henry focuses on the day-to-day -day of Overstim. So a lot to learn from the both of them. So without further ado, let's dive right in. Daniel, Henry, welcome to Mint. How are we feeling? How are we doing? Thank you for being on. Fantastic. Thank you for having us. Yeah, doing well, doing well. Henry, you told me in the green room this is your first podcast. It is, yeah. Thank you for the honor. Let's go, let's go. Guys, I'm excited to have this power duo on Mint. Uh, I think you guys are the epitome of what communities will be like and feel like in the future, specifically for music. So excited to kind of deep dive into the last few months. Daniel, I had you on in October, okay? Right when the Mirror, the infamous Mirror campaign <laughs> launched and started all of this. How are you doing, man? How's it been since October? Whew, I'm good, man. It's definitely been a roller coaster of emotions for me. Uh, I think the at, at first it was tough to adjust. I remember when we spoke. Um, whether I was admitting it publicly or not, I realized that I was having a tough time trying to figure out how I was going to recoup part of overstimulated, uh, what the roadmap is. And I think one thing that I've kind of learned since then is there is no roadmap and everyone's kind of just building in public and trying to figure things out as they go. And I think once that kind of made itself clear to me, I was able to move forward a little bit more efficiently. But yeah, that first that first month window of uh, just being uncertain, not knowing what's happening next was rough. But I think I've kind of uh, entered a clear patch here, which has been nice. How did you achieve that level of comfort of like uncertainty? Like, how did you get to that conclusion? Because I feel like when you raise that amount of money, you're forced to kind of be like, okay, guys, here's the next plan. Here's the roadmap. Here's what we're doing next. But you've actually embraced uncertainty. And I think that's also made part of your project really unique. Yeah, well, I remember like I was talking to a lot of people in my circle and just like telling them my complaints. And at the same time, I had so many people that were hitting me up asking me for advice. And just like for the sake of transparency, I wanted to be like, yo, this isn't all sunshine and rainbows. Like one of the things that I did afterwards was I wrote a mirror post called sunshine and rainbows where I was saying like web three is an amazing resource, but it's not necessarily necessarily the silver bullet, right? Like it's not like it solves all of your problems. There are still a lot of things that I want to accomplish and a lot of things that, you know, web three is taking time away from. And I just wanted to be real about it because instead of just calling all my friends in the middle of the night to talk about it, it just made sense to treat it like an open diary kind of and uh, use mirror as that platform. <laughs> 
Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Henry, what about you? Uh, how long have you been in crypto for? I, I usually do these formal intros, like tell me about yourself. What were you doing before crypto? Where are you now? Let's let's start that off with you. Uh, because you're new to the show, because you're new to, new to the podcast, new to the audience, give us a quick brief about yourself. Yeah, uh, I've been in the music industry for, for quite a while now. I would say about 10 years professionally, about twice that doing something in some capacity, um, started out throwing a lot of shows. Uh, and then in college, I really, really kicked into full gear, did uh, a lot of shows sort of unofficially and officially. Um, and then uh, after college, I got into artist management and that was sort of my main thing. Uh, but the last couple of years, I've had this really debilitating back injury. And that's actually sort of how I started getting an interest in Web3 and crypto is I just, I couldn't do really much. And so I was lying on my back, just reading. And slowly, the more I learned about it, the more interested I got. Uh, I realized that there's just this amazing way for it to potentially help music. And that's when I really started going down the rabbit hole. So uh, April is when the, April of 2021 is when that started. And every month, I just get more interested, more excited, more inspired by it. So how did you come across Daniel's project? Like, what's the story behind entering the world of over overstimulated? Uh, walk me through that. So I think, I think Daniel's project happened on September 27th. Uh, towards the end of the month, I, at that time, was deep down the rabbit hole. I was just... Twitter really was sort of my main source of information, at least to sort of get started and and, and find little snippets and uh, little signals to go explore other stuff. So at the time, I really think it was just good timing where uh, Cooper or someone else uh, said that it had just launched on Twitter. I was right there. I think, you know, it sold out very quickly and I think I barely, barely got to be a backer, I think I was number 72 of 87. Mm -hmm. um, and the project just really struck me as very unique and having a lot of potential for the future for artists. Um, so I just DM Daniel like the next day or in the next couple of days, I know that he had mentioned he was looking for a community manager and really I just wanted to help in any way I could. And when I see artists doing creative new things, it makes me wanna, you know, just also try to support them. So. Yeah. yeah, makes a lot of sense. I, I like the duo that you guys have because something that I've been talking about on Mint a lot was I think the role of artist management, community management, and just this whole like centralized point of view of like bringing an artist to life through record labels is going to decentralize and democratize. And it's going to feel more like a startup than it is uh, like uh, a big corporation kind of thing. And I think you guys have really embraced that ethos. Daniel, when, when Henry hit you up, okay, what were like some of the initial thoughts? What were some of the expectations you had to find the right candidate? Like walk me through that. Yeah, I mean, I think along what I was saying earlier, there was really no roadmap. And so for me, what was most important was like, are you a good guy or girl? <laughs> like that was like what was important yeah. to me because I don't think that anyone, I've, I've, I've learned pretty quickly that if you are in Web3 and crypto and you say that you know everything, it's very likely that that is not true. Um, so I... I think it's because no one knows. I remember like I've, I, I went to a conversation where someone really prominent in Web3 was talking and he's been in it for like 15 years. And he was like, uh, like on, on the grounds of the early work. And he was like, it's the Wild West. And after that moment, I kind of realized like no one knows. And so when I was like mm -hmm. doing these things for community management, like obviously 
I had seen some semblance of what a community manager looks like because like I was building my first discord and I needed someone to help me do that. But like my first thing was just vibe, honestly. And that's how I, um, I think that's how a lot of people view like their investment portfolios is like, oh, like I'm just going by vibe of the, of the founder or whatever. And for me, for community management, it was like, none of us know. So are you just down to like help out, be a good dude and, and you know. Yeah, that, that's kind of what I went off. What's up, guys? Adam Levy here. I wanted to take a quick pause to give some love to Coinvise, our NFT sponsor who's making this episode a reality. On Coinvise, you can create a personal or community-owned social token on Ethereum. Coinvise also helps you create incentives through token rewards and bounties, NFT business models, and bot integrations for Discord. Discover more by visiting Coinvise.co today. All right, back to the episode. So what does a day-to-day look like at Overstim internally? You guys actually build in public uh, and you're very vocal about that, but I feel like there's some form of internal communication, organization, structure that happens to build an open public community. Can you walk me through the day-to-day? And I want you guys to focus on this question like, Daniel, how do you prioritize creating? Henry, how do you prioritize community building? How do you guys not overlap each other between the two skills? Because I think this is going to be an important example for other creators and musicians that want to enter down this route. Sure. So, so I'll, I'll start to answer this one. Then, Henry, I think you could pick it up a little bit from your perspective. For me, I absolutely love Web3, but what is most important to me and the vehicle for everything is creating. Uh, I find that even if everything is going amazingly well for me in the Web3 world, I'm not the happiest that I can be if I'm not making songs. Because before all of this, before I had even made money, like I was making songs out of happiness. I was broke living in like, I was splitting a bedroom in Hollywood with my friend paying $600 a month with like fugitives living downstairs, you know, like, it, and, and I was, and I was so absolutely stoked that I got to like wake up and make music every day. And so for me, when that started exiting my life in a way for the first time in five, six years, when I got super into the Web3 rabbit hole, that's when I had to reset and be like, let's Henry and I never had a formal conversation because things were so up in the air of like, Oh, well let's like, this is a problem. Let's go fix that. This is a problem. Let's go fix that. But I was like, wait, wait, I need to stop focusing on problems and start focusing again on music. Mm. So it kind of just became, I'm going to be doing, I moved, I don't do music at the sexiest hours, uh, like maybe because I have like responsibilities to like talk to web three and like, just be in the space as much as I can and help other artists. Um, so for me, that just moved from 7 a.m. to noon. Like right before this, I did five hours of music stuff, you know? So it's uh, it's maybe not the cutest hours to work on music, but it's like, as long as I'm doing it, I find myself in a really good mood and happy. And then I can kind of actually have more energy to move into Web3 stuff. Uh, I think Henry can uh, talk a little bit more about the random FaceTimes that I give to him, but that's, uh, <laughs> Henry, if you want to take that away, go for it. Yeah, we, we really don't have a very defined schedule, I would say. Um, you know, outwardly, I think the most important thing is trying to get back to anyone who reaches out to us as quickly as we can, which is something I'm still learning and finding a cadence with. Um, and yeah, Daniel and I have had many late night uh, FaceTime conversations. Um, I, I think for me, when we first got started, um, there's first sort of like this initial like, okay, what are we trying to do here? What sort of uh, assets or infrastructure foundation do we need to have built? and then that we can kind of rely on. And then from there, we can kind of figure out and navigate. So the first thing was the Discord. Um, We came on board, we just sort of touched it up. We reorganized the channels a little bit, um, you know, added some emojis to them. Um, And then I had this like big, Daniel will probably laugh, but like, I I really like taking notes and uh, like, doc my google docs get out of control like like all of a sudden we'll be on a facetime and it'll be like 17 pages long Jeez. um just just sort of <clears throat> sort of my creative process um 
So I think that's sort of like a lot of times when we come up with a new idea or working on something new, it will start off with just him and I talking on the phone or on FaceTime. Notes will happen. We'll th think about it, iterate, do another copy, iterate, and then mm -hmm. just sort of keep keep consistently working on it like that. Got it. I'm I'm curious, okay, and I'd love to hear your point of view. As more and more and more musicians enter crypto, um, I think at some point it may become like an artist's market. I feel many times artists are going after record labels for uh, for getting their big break. You know, maybe it's the other way around, depending on the artist, of course. But I feel like at some point, more and more artists are going to be basically doing a startup mentality like you guys are, right? And, and, and operating very lean, issuing assets on chain, having their fans be collectors. Um, and actually these record labels coming into the picture and offering like community management and capital as a, as a value add, just like Henry, like you're the very lean version of that. And myself and a bunch of other collectors and oversim are like the banks kind of thing, right? Do you imagine that kind of like progressing over time? Do you imagine that the same model kind of sticking with what we're seeing record labels doing right now? How do you kind of imagine this like unfolding in the future? Yeah, I mean, I may have like a little bit of a hot take on this, but I think yeah. that essentially like the the record labels will just, I think that what they will provide more than anything is kind of the infrastructure rather than the funding. Because okay. obviously like the bank, I think like you were saying is to have Web3, is to just have like Web3 fans. I was talking to my friend Verite about this, who's she's absolutely brilliant when it comes to stuff like this. And her thesis was, I think that what it's going to trend towards is having like 1000 true fans and having 30 to 50 web three fans. And then what I kind of built on top of that was taking like the web three fans, using those as resources um, to be able to bring up a web two following. That's kind of like a win-win for everyone, right? Because that way more and more people can hear the music. Uh, more and more people can then funnel into like what I'm doing in the web three world. And then it kind of helps the web three world. Um, but to me, I think where record labels can kind of insert themselves in that is like essentially being a super fan. Um, but being a super fan and providing more infrastructure than they would capital, because a lot of the times the trade-off is, um, here is capital, here is some infrastructure you have in case you, we have in case you need it. Whereas for me, I would need the infrastructure, but I'm less interested in the capital. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Makes sense. What about you, Henry? How, how do you feel about this? Yeah, this is, this is a great, great question. And I, I think we're all still kind of figuring it out. I mean, in the future, what, what is a record label even going to be? I mean, um, we've got the big three. Um, you know, who still have a lot of power, they still have huge catalogs. Um, but in terms of an independent artist like Daniel, I think we're figuring out the services that we can kind of build amongst ourselves, which is really, really exciting to have that. Um, I really, one of the things that is really appealing to me in Web3 is just sort of, sort of like this optionality in artists being able to choose how they get funding, how things are funded, mm -hmm. and then yeah, what that looks like afterwards. Um, so uh, I hope that in the future, I, I don't think that labels are just going to go away, but sure. I think that there is a possible future where it can be a little bit more a la carte, where you can kind of, or, or more like buffet style, where you can go mm -hmm. in and you say, I need help with marketing, or I need help with distribution mm -hmm. or funding, and then you can uh, you can create a deal based on that. Yeah, makes sense. Daniel, what's more important to you? The 1,000 true fans or having millions, multi-million listeners on, on streaming platforms? This is a tough question because that's like one of the things that I wrote about in my Mirror Crowd Fund. I think that 
they both kind of allocate themselves to different goals. I think that if I if I were to play a Lollapalooza, which has been one of my biggest goals since I was a kid, going with the route of having millions of listeners, I think would be a little bit stronger. Um, but I think one of my other big goals for a long time has been creative liberation. And I think that Web3 has enabled that far more than anything else. I think that if you were if, if I were forced to pick one, I would say I would prefer the Web3 side because I think it also lends itself to a more sustainable lifestyle. I'm able to kind of you know, not be a crazy person and like just kind of make music whenever I want to and not necessarily have to um, like I would rather I would rather make the music that I want to and not play major festivals than not play the music I want to and play major festivals. Wow. OK, interesting trade off. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know, because there is a lot of value. Like you have to think about, OK, why do you create music? OK, there's a, there's a component of having your song reach the the hearts and the souls of people and resonating with, with many and having that creative energy reach thousands to millions to even billions but then there's also the trade-off of not making a living from that right and and getting sucked up into all this corporate bureaucracy of not being able to showcase who you are on your own time on your own terms and all that stuff so there's definitely trade-offs and i guess how do you go by optimizing for both because you have you have a good amount of listeners like a, a solid amount of listeners on on streaming platforms you have a solid collector base in web3 there's a couple questions here how do you kind of mitigate the trade-off and how do you combine the two Right? How do you do it in a way where you don't have different audiences on different platforms and somehow merge? And this could also be like one of those like 40 chess type of questions where we're figuring this out, right? But I, I guess like walk me through that. Sure. I mean, I think that it's a little bit cliche, but the best way to answer this is I can only control what I can control. And I think that what that looks like for me is just trying to have a hand in each basket, right? I think that when I, when I put the sound drop out um, that I recently did for Overstimulated, there were a few things that I did. I mean, I put it out and then I got like a lot of people like listening to me on the web three front, but I also put up a TikTok that took me like five minutes to do because I sent it mm -hmm. to my friend Ryan to put it together. And that got like a bunch of plays. And then pe some people are going to funnel in. They might funnel in through the web three story, but if some of them become fans of my music, then I'm absolutely happy for that because I do think that that's really important. And I don't mean to minimize that. I mm -hmm. like, like you guys are saying, I don't think Spotify or major record labels are going anywhere in the over like a three to five year time yeah, horizon. I think sure. that they're here to stay. They're like absolutely industry giants. And th I still have to play within a certain game which is like optimizing my music or optimizing what I'm doing or the story in some way to be somewhat consumer friendly. I totally get that. But um, I think the best thing that I could do is just control what I can control in terms of the like the output and me making music every day. Uh, and then whatever happens after that happens. But as long as I'm staying diversified in each bucket, that's kind of yeah. the max that I can control, you know. Henry, do you, do you have any thoughts to add to this? Uh, so the other day, I actually I had a a past client management client reach out to me. I hadn't talked to him in probably two years. Um, and he's in a, he's in a string band. So like, not like a, the type of artist that you see in, in web three, at least not right now. And he's a really smart guy. And, um, was just asking me like, how, how could I get involved with, with doing stuff? And, um, the question that I asked him was like, what, do, what do you want to do? Like, not just like, getting involved with web three and doing nfts but like what's the goal behind that goal is it to raise money is it to uh sort of like bring your fan base together uh to potentially use new technology to you know better communicate with them are you trying to build a community um and so that's like i think that's like the important question and the first step to ask because i don't i think that this can look a little bit different for everyone yeah yeah i hear you 
One thing I want to talk to you guys about is kind of like the journey since October, okay? And I'll throw this really quick for those who haven't seen the first episode of Daniel Allen. We published it, I think, October 19th. Again, it was right after the Mirror campaign where you raised nearly 180K in 48 hours uh, to kind of, you you gave up 50% ownership of your EP called Overstimulated. You were going to use those funds to kind of bootstrap the, the, the birth of the EP, uh, bring that to life, which you just released this week. Uh, so... First of all, like, congrats on that. Okay, we'll start. We'll start with that. Like, congratulations on that. I've been listening to the songs. Uh, I got into the sound drop uh, for the for the 100 editions. Like, been buying the assets left and right as <laughs> as much as I could. So walk walk me through the timeline, okay? Because you started off with the Mirror campaign, okay? But before Mirror, you even started selling songs on catalog, okay? And the reason I'm I'm introducing this question is because I want to understand the timeline and use this as a roadmap for other people that want to do what you're doing, okay? So from what I recall, Daniel, you started posting on Catalog, right? Then you yeah. issued the overstimulated uh, Mirror campaign, raising crowdfunded 50% of the EP, right? Then you continued dropping songs on Catalog. You got involved with sound, okay? And then you e even introduced the songwriting camp that you and Henry collaborated with, right? So let's take a pause right there, the songwriting camp. What is that? How did that come to life? What's the goal behind that? I know I even bought into that. So full disclosure for everyone that's listening. Um, walk me through that. Yeah, actually, I think that's a really good segue. Good job, Adam. It's almost like you're a pro at this. Oh, thanks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I was at a point where I, I was just at a juncture of like, I have Web2 goals and I want to go on tour. I want to be able to make a song in a random city in Arizona in the back of a tour bus with three of my best friends. I mean, I think that that's something that I idolized as a kid. And I realized that there are certain things in the Web2 world that I have to play into. Um, at the same time, I was meeting so many of my like favorite artists through Web3 because fortunately it was kind of like my story and what I attached myself to. And I was just really lucky to be able to meet so many amazing people with it. And I was like, oh man, like what if I could do a songwriting camp um, where I just make music with all these amazing artists. And then mm. I, I think the, the the reason that we did it like as an NFT model is something that Henry can speak to. Um, and then at the same time, I was working with Henry on stuff. And then Henry came to me with the, I, 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 went, I came to him with the idea of like doing the songwriting camp. And then he was like, oh, like, you know, we've been working together. Maybe we can find a way to make this like equitable for, mm. you know, for both. And, and, and um, I don't know. I, I think that the songwriting camp was really interesting because I'm using, it's the prime example of using like web three resources to be able to funnel some of my web two goals. And Henry has a lot to say about this because he was, he played like a huge part and I definitely have been open about like viewing him as like an equal partner on this, you know? Yeah. Henry, walk me through. Yeah. When, when Daniel first proposed it to me, first of all, I just, you know, I had known him for a month and a half, I think at that point, or maybe two months. Um, so for him to come to me and say, Hey, do you want to do a project together is just like, the biggest honor uh, to me. So I was really excited about about that. And um, but it, but it, we were we were trying to figure out initially like what what does that look like? So Dan, what Daniel just described, you know, he's gonna be recording new music, and we're raising money to pay for the expenses for that. Mm -hmm. But like, how do I? Especially when we were, we were talking about me, you know, it being written mostly in my voice, and so like the question was 
why why my voice and something that i'd been starting to think about a lot at that time also was just compensation models in the music industry you know we talk a lot about screw the major labels screw spotify um there's a lot of i mean and fairly so there's a lot of sketchy stuff that happens behind the scenes and something that i think daniel and i both really respect and appreciate about web3 is that there is a way that you can set it up where it's much more accountable, it's much more transparent, and hopefully in the future it will also be more accessible. But um, we were trying to kind of keep keep those things in mind as we designed this new project. And so for me, I wanted to sort of explore from the artist management or business side of things, um, like what does it look like for those other team members to be compensated in a fair and transparent mm -hmm. way in the music industry? And so that's that's sort of where the the project went from there. So before we continue on the timeline, the the song camp, the songwriting camp, you guys raised money for that. I remember we were in like Twitter group chats, like voting on stuff and talking actively about everything. What were the economics behind that for those who aren't familiar with the songwriting camp? So you guys raised money to rent out the studio in Malibu, from what I remember, right? Bring together like some of your favorite artists to create some dope music. Did the people who put money into that, did they get anything in return? Like, and I asked that in a very like dumb way, right? To kind of like better understand for others listening. Walk me through that. Henry, you got this or you want me to, or you want me to get it? <laughs> Uh, you can throw in any comments and then I'm happy to jump in after. For sure. So I think that one thing that we wanted to experiment with, and this is absolutely not to sound tone deaf here. Um, I went through a project for Oversimulated where we created a social token around it. And then I didn't want to dive in to making another social token before Overstimulated came out. Uh, frankly, it felt like a money grab and it just felt like a little bit too much. So we decided to do these strictly as NFTs, um, as patronage based NFTs, because we want to explore like how many people would be down to support the project if they were just patrons. And another mm -hmm. thing that we did that was very important was there are a few apes um, in the music NFT world. Some of them are like my closest friends, obviously, um, who I've met over the past like six months. And we, I think that what we wanted to do is Overstim sold out very, very, very quickly. And some people just found out about it and they weren't able to contribute. So we did, we set it so that 0.1 ETH is the maximum contribution per transaction. Like mm -hmm. if you wanted to make multiple, like you mm -hmm. could, and a few people did, but you had to pay gas for each one. So we kind of wanted to be like, look, how much would people be down to just support as patrons for this project? And our, our ultimate goal was like, how many, how many people can we get into involved, involved into this? Like we wanted to break the record of the Overstim crowdfund, which had 87 backers. And ultimately we did break the record by two. We got, we got 89 backers. <laughs> Let's <last minute>. go. <laughs> um, and um, outside of that, I think that one, one of the ways that we also like did, um, did compensation is like the first five ETH, like 100% of that goes to the crowd, goes to like the expenses. Like that was like, okay. that was like the Airbnb and then like getting people's flights and like food and like everything and like putting on like the the events at the very end. Cause the people who bought the NFT, like they at the very end, we're gonna do like a listening party mm -hmm. for everyone to be able to come through too. Um, after that, we did 25% uh, of everything after five ETH was 25% was a stipend to me. 25% was a stipend to Henry, which was important because I wanna kinda, I kinda wanted to highlight and we both wanted to highlight that like, Th this kind of relationship, like we're very much like partners in. Yeah. Um, and then I think another 25%, which is very important. Well, 20, another 25 went to the over, went to the Overstim treasury. And then 
that's kind of me being like, oh, like I am still very much providing value to the initial backers. And it provided me that cushion to be like, I'm not just like grabbing money here. Like I'm here like to put on a project and still like return value to like the people that believed in me first. And then the most important bit is this is 25%, which is one ETH, very close to one ETH, um, is a resource allocation pool. So that resource allocation pool is a place where artists, when they are going to mint, um, whether like when they go mint their first NFT and they need gas money or whatever it is, they can just pull from there. I think the overall incentive that I forgot to mention here is like the writing camp, while it does align a lot with like some of my Web2 goals, one of the things that I'm providing is I'm saying there are so many Web2 artists that are scared of getting into Web3. And Henry and I have had so many open conversation on Twitter spaces of how we're supposed to bridge the gap because we kind of have this responsibility in a way to help artists get involved after like I'm, you know, doing things like this and telling the story of how it happened. And the thing is, is what I have to be transparent about is I got lucky with timing. Like I was one of the earlier ones. So it was easier to get on catalog. It was easier to get on sound. And what we started doing is for these artists who come to the camp, we're going to help them a little bit, like fast track away onto like web three. So what that looks like is like, like if I drop a song that I make with an artist on catalog, then they get a creator share. When they get a creator share, then they're able to like be a little bit more involved in the platform, be able to talk and network to more people because their name is on it. And I think that was one of the uh, very important things that I, that I forgot to mention. So Henry, if you want to chat. Oh, interesting. On, okay. On I think there are a couple of things that, we did differently with this campaign um, than even like what's common in the Web3 space with other mirrors, which is kind of silly to say because, you know, these mirror campaigns have only been happening for a few months or, you know, three or four months now. Um, but yeah, like, like Daniel said, we it was important to us to try to um, try to have accessibility and also recognizing that the the entry point was still around 375 to $400 for the 0.1 uh, NFT. But um, yeah, the goal was to try to get uh, as many sort of people into the community as we could. Um, and Daniel, actually, I think we got one more right after I texted texted you that screenshot. So I think we may be at, we uh, ended up closing out at uh, 9th, which is, which is great. Epic. Wow, insane. great. <laughs> That's insane. You know, we say nine ETH, uh, like it's like no big deal, but like I reflect on that, you know, like it, it's crazy how one deep pocketed people are to how aligned they are with these types of visions and how supportive they are, right? To help bring these up and coming artists and these, whether it be you, Daniel and Henry, whether it be someone like Latasha, whether it be someone like Silencia, the list goes on and on and on, just bringing their visions to life and acting as a support vehicle to make that a reality it's very inspiring and it, it makes you think like shit like there's another whole world that's kind of appearing uh that many people don't know about which i hope mint and en en ends up being like a vehicle <laughs> for that okay let's continue on the timeline okay so the song camp came in okay uh around that time you started posting on sound right around that time your first sound drop came out right um and you started putting those sales into the treasury yes right? correct Okay, so how did that process work? So like from all the money that you made from that sound drop, it was like, what, I think like 10K or something around, around, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Pulled out in less than like 30 seconds. Okay, mm -hmm. insane. Mm -hmm. uh, how much of that went back into the treasury? 50% uh, of it. 50% of it. Okay, okay, cool. So, and then from there, you went into doing uh, the release of the actual Overstim album, right? Yeah. Um, how did you kind of like 
And I guess you're building in public here, okay? But and, and Cooper Turley, by the way, tweeted about this as well, like the perfect like use case for music DAO, okay? This was obviously like learned throughout the process. When you look back at this entire thing, are there any things you would have done, anything you would have done differently? Anything you would have added to, anything you would have subtracted, um, lessons learned. I'm trying to like get like a summary from this entire process, right? And it's why I also outlined it from like the get-go to where we are today kind of thing. I would say, I think I may, I may have said this in the first interview, and if I didn't, then it makes even more sense. Um, I think just way too many people in the space spend too much time thinking and not enough time executing. And I mm -hmm. will say that very publicly for a long time because the biggest takeaway for me was that I, we just kept moving forward and we did not have, like, I think that people, some people look at the projects that we've done or the projects that I've done that, and they're like, oh, like Daniel's so smart. Like he had this, he had this thought, like he had it planned out. Like I didn't, I, I genuinely didn't have any of this planned out. Like I just kept going with it and like kept seeing like as a new, as I was turning over a stone, I didn't just kind of like turn over and be like, ah, like nothing's there. I'm going to move on to the next mm -hmm. one. Like I turned it over and I was like, oh, like this looks like shit, but let me like, keep scraping away at it and keep cleaning it. Maybe there's like a diamond under it. And, and, and sometimes there weren't right. Like I've had a project on catalog that didn't do as well. And that's okay. Like it's, I think like people don't necessarily look at the L's and I think that way too many people are like a little bit scared of being judged in the space. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I was talking to a good friend of mine recently who manages like, uh, like these amazing artists. And I was joking at the end of our call, I was like, when are you gonna, when are you guys going to hop in and do some web three stuff? I was just trying to like, you know, red pill them a little bit. And, um, and he was like, oh man, like, we're just trying to think of like the, the perfect campaign and like how we can like get in. And I'm like, man, just don't worry about it. Just kind of get in. And like, it's still so early that like, it doesn't matter. And just having your, your face and your name involved, I think is, is going to pay more dividends. So my, it's my enough to leave a stain to show that you're, you're getting it, you know, and you're, you're with it. I agree with you 100% for sure. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And then, yeah, man, the only thing that I really would have done differently is like, it took me about a week to get the discord up and running. I, I think that like doing I think that if you're about to drop something and this is the advice I tell to people, if you think about dropping your first NFT or your first social token or whatever it is, put a pin in that and do it in three months and then <laughs> spend the three months building out everything. And then once that hits, run and go full speed ahead and don't mm -hmm. look back and just just experiment. But take take those periods to ingratiate yourself similar to what I did the summer before my mirror post. And then when it's up, like, you're, okay, Discord is there, boom. Like Telegram is there, boom. Like everything's ready to go. All the resources are there because you're going to have this moment where you're funneling everyone in. And I think Good Karma, Grady, like one of my close friends did a mm. great job of this. Is when As soon as he dropped Good Karma, like everything was there. Like Ro, his community manager was there and they were like running shit all together. And I, I think that that's also very important just to capitalize on that initial momentum. Um, but yeah, that's a... Uh, generally what, I, what henry what what about you you joined the process right you you were part of this community obviously very vocal and very hands-on and very supportive anything when you look back now that the ep is out now that this release party is about to happen next week and there's going to be a crazy live performance that i'm so excited about and we'll get to in just a second um any learning lessons any tips any advice things you do differently your biggest takeaways etc yeah definitely and uh so so part of the the mirror crowd crowdfund that Daniel and I just did, um, you know, we really emphasize that we're, we're trying to build in public as, as you said. And so, um, a sort of the next component to Daniel Allen and friends, which we, uh, kind of unofficially call Malibu. Um, nice. one of the next components of Malibu for me and Daniel is going to be to kind of write up our next post is going to be about what we've learned so far, what went wrong, 
one what went well so uh stay tuned for that got a look cool. got, got some stuff in there um but uh one thing that i wanted to to touch on with daniel is that he has this really interesting unique combination of skills that i think almost kind of give him this superpower uh to to be successful which is one he's incredibly focused on goals that he's set and then he's incredibly hardworking and extremely consistent in trying to move towards and execute those goals. And um, like 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 you touched on, you know, it, on the outside, it kind of feels like this just happened overnight. But you know, he's been grinding uh, every day and just keeps moving forward. He's one of the most actionable people that I know. We actually, I feel like our strengths and our strengths sort of bounce off one another because um i'm i'm the type of person who's like all right let's think about this a lot more let's sit on it for another week let's edit it down and write more and daniel's like nope let's ship this like it's good <laughs> this is good good work let's ship it see what works get a response and then keep iterating from there it's very it's very russian of you daniel <laughs> <laughs> Facts, bro. Facts. I feel like it's like super, like super embedded in your culture, like <laughs> that, that aggressiveness, that chutzpah kind of thing. A thousand I love percent. It. <laughs> I love it, dude. All right, next week, the grand release, uh, live performance, overstimulated, overstim holders are going to be there. I know people flying in. I know it's going to be this crazy event. You rented out an entire thing. There's bottle service. There's, there's an entire experience around it how do you feel like coming up to it what's going on through your head <laughs> Bro. i remember dude i even remember a few months ago you hit me with like this is my first live performance like you were you were playing somewhere like you're just i think it was at nft nyc at brett's uh like music nft party yep. where yep. latasha and verde and all these people were playing you're like you're just like on there with like your drum pad and your sticks just like rocking out and, like, <laughs> and now here you are today okay so how are you feeling what's going on yeah, man. Look, I mean, I'm a little nervous. I think, I think every time, I mean, I try to always turn my nerves into excitement. Uh, I think that the experience I've had with playing shows has been like that, where I'm like a, a little bit nervous, but as soon as I press play on the first song and like nothing goes bad, it's totally good. But man, I'm, I am, I'm so incredibly excited. I feel like everything has led up to this. And I feel like it's also so interesting and it's going to be such a big moment for music NFTs because I feel like there is, there is this, the cool thing about music and why I think it's going to work so well on chain in 2022 is the consumer experience that you get to have. And like, you can do that in so many different ways. Like, yeah, you can stream the music. That's amazing. You could be a patron and have like a fan relationship with the artist via like being a patron of their NFT, but to be able to see it come to life, right? Like I got, I have, I'm like debuting my first like visuals package, you know, that's going to be just like <laughs> so insane that I had like, that, that was like custom made with my friend Zach. It's just like, it's the full experience. And I feel like everything has kind of led up to this. I mean, I know that I had like a big day a couple of days ago when I was, when I dropped the bonfire site, but this is also like, this is, I don't know, like live music, dude. That's this is that's what it's just all like, about. That's this like the moment where like. I get to connect with people the most. And I feel like so many people who maybe have questions about what Overstim is and why they got into it early on. And I think a lot of those questions will be answered at the show and just being there. And, and that's what I'm really excited about. Yeah. I guess one thing we didn't touch upon really quick, like leading up to the show that happened this week is the uh the ep drop we touched a little bit about it earlier but i want to go more in depth into that as well so you sold 100 editions i got lucky enough to buy one as well hell yeah let's fucking go i'm excited <laughs> um so that sold out also within like less than a minute okay how, how many how, 
how many ETH? What was it? What was a uh, uh, ten ETH, and then I put five ETH back into the Overstim treasury. Amazing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Crazy. Like also like what? Like <laughs> crazy man. I I I can't. I went to sound about uh about three weeks before it happened, and I was like, hey, look. Um, after you guys were done, I mean, I know that you have plans for season one. Uh, David had the idea of doing it as like a feature. And then I came to him and I was like, look, let's try it. Let's just see, see what happens. And it took some convincing, but I'm really stoked with how it turned out because um, I, I don't think any of us expected it to kind of sell out like another sound drop. Obviously, like 100 editions is, is a lot, man. Um, but I, I got to tip my hat to sound here. I think that that they rolled out an incredible kind of uh, idea for this because normally sound does from 1.30 to 2 PST. Um, it, you know, you get into a Twitter, you, you get into a Twitter spaces talk and then it drops right at two. And then everyone's like in panic mode to like, yeah, go. And, and sometimes like people don't even get to listen to the music. And, and I think that what sound did so incredibly here is 1.30 to two, we were talking, got a lot of people like interested and just having a conversation about me and my journey, like how important this project is to me. And then like, I got to sit there for 12 minutes and like, just wait anxiously as everyone was listening to my music. But like, I was, I was in like the sound telegram chat and like a few other places, the sound discord and everyone was like, oh man, like this song is crazy. Like who's this singer? This production's wild. What are these synths? And I was like, oh my God, like it kind of cured some imposter syndrome that I've had in a lot of ways oh, because like, because like so many people were, I've, I've always been so confident in the project um, musically, and I'm so thankful for the Web3 resources and tooling that I was able to build around it. But I've always, part of me has always thought like, oh, do people like, do they love the music or or is there some thought here that it's just like a really dope Web3 experiment? And I think that while that's kind of left my brain more and more over these mm -hmm. past few months as I've built a community around it, that moment was a really gratifying one because everyone like these amazing artists like Iman Europe and Sassy Black and whatnot were like talking in the in the Telegram. Like, oh, dude, like this song's crazy. This is crazy. And I was like, wow, like, Mm. that's cool and and i don't know like I, I got emotional like sitting there listening to it thankfully like my video wasn't on <laughs> but uh <laughs> dude it was just nice to, like play the whole thing through and i almost got closure you know i was like wow. I, was, I was like damn like that's i like let go of my baby it's out you know yeah <laughs> so. and now we're gonna enjoy it live uh on, on the 13th okay so give me a little bit more details so what can we expect from the 13th what's the layout what's the structure free for overstim holders right i yes, hope so absolutely. yeah let's go absolutely. all right <laughs> um and what what can we expect like what's the structure walk me through it oh should i drop some alpha let's drop, go. I, dude this is, this is yeah this is gonna come out next week before the show so oh, I'm gonna, yeah. i'll drop i'm gonna drop some alpha then first time okay, okay so okay. i'm gonna be I'm gonna be dropping my first merch at the show. Um, it's gonna be these guys, and it's. Oh, gonna I all, saw that on your story. It's all gonna be custom sewn over stem on the inside that me and my girlfriend are sewing together. So that's uh, first. Wait, time, wait, 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 wait. Hold on. You're sewing this yourself? Me and my girlfriend. Yeah, right here, as you can see. Oh shit! Okay. Over stem. Um, <laughs> nice. So yeah, Sick. Custom, custom sewn by us. Oh, I need okay. On the right way. Um, and then I have, uh, I have some special guests that are going to come to the show, um, that are going to play. Um, we have an opener who's playing doors that I, that I did a, I did a competition in my discord that mm -hmm. I wanted to get someone to open. I ended up getting one opener from the discord and one person that's going to DJ to close the night. Um, and the two other people on the bill, uh, before me, uh, sober Rob is going to be the first act and then mm -hmm. Oshi, Oshi is going to be up next and then me. Wow. So, what it's gonna a performance! It's gonna be a pretty cool, uh, pretty cool Web three night for sure. Damn, damn, that's exciting. I'm, I'm excited. Henry, are you, are you gonna be? I know you're an SF right now. Are you gonna be down for that? Sadly, I'm not. I'm still working through my injury a little bit, and travel is okay. pretty tough. But um, 
I am definitely going to be there in spirit. We'll uh, FaceTime you. You'll see. Yeah. You'll see. We'll, we'll keep you there. We'll keep you there. It's going to be good. I love please, it. Please do. I've, <laughs> so always told Henry, I've always told Henry that's the goal is to one day get him to one of the shows, which is going to be amazing. So amazing. I'm excited for that to happen. Okay. Before we wrap up, okay. You issue this entire project around the EP. The entire social token was centered around the name of the EP. This entire performance experience, uh, all the mints, all the songs, the live performances, the merch, the excitement, the energy was all around this project. Now that you're performing this project, it's going to be out everywhere to listen. Your holders are going to be there. People are going to buy tickets and enjoy and listen to all these other people perform live. What's next? Sheesh, putting me on the spot. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I think I think what's next, man, is I, I have um I have some very, very big projects planned for this year. Um one of them I'm not gonna go into detail for a while, but um it's def I'm, there's definitely something very, very big that I'm working on. Um outside of that, man, I have a responsibility to myself to make uh, better music every day. And yeah. I'm working on music every day. I'm gonna start putting in my next music project together soon. I think that a lot of that is gonna live at Malibu during, you know, with the writing camp. Um, I recently dropped like um, the custom storefront uh, for Overstim with Bonfire. Um, they're an amazing company. I worked like super closely with them to make sure that it's uh, the most user-friendly experience that we can that we can have. And I think that that's going to serve as like a big central hub that we're going to continue building for Overstim and for all Daniel Allen stuff down the line. But I think the only thing that I can say now is just like continue making music and just trying to get better. I think that when I dropped Overstim uh, or when, you know, a few months after the, or a few weeks after the crowdfund happened, I was like, man, like, I know I can make better music because there are like artists up there that I really look up to and I still have this feeling that I'm like, oh, like I want to chase like that level of like proficiency. Um, but I think I'm like starting to discover like a little bit of a new sonic palette that I want to do moving forward. So for right now, I'm keeping it simple. I'm going to keep bringing value back to overstim holders just like I always have. Um, and in tandem, just trying to make, you know, as good music as I can. I love it. How about you, Henry? Like, what are you excited about as a community manager for the overstim community, for Dan Daniel Allen's like future as a whole? Uh, walk me through your thoughts and some, even some ideas that you, that you may have, even if they may be like in the open air right now. Yeah, sure. Um, I think that these last couple of weeks have brought a lot of really, uh, amazing new artists actually into Daniel's discord and the amount of GM, the amount of GMs has skyrocketed. GMs Facts. are booming and, uh, <laughs> and, but like also a lot of like very organic, interesting conversations are starting to happen in there. And it's it's sort of become this place for artists who are either already in Web3 or or in Web2 and trying to transition in to discuss just ideas. And um, that to us, I think, feels like a success because we're, we're sort of uh, just, yeah, fostering this, this community and, or nurturing this community um, and growing it. And um, it's really important to us for other artists to be able to not necessarily rep replicate this, but be able to sort of build on what we're doing too. So I, I think it's happening. Um, for me, um, I'm really excited about Malibu because for me, for my part, it's, it's not only just the writing camp, but it's getting this opportunity to use the camp as an example to look at, look at these other, other parts of web three. And so I'm looking forward to doing some more writing about that or reflection um, yeah, and just seeing where the, where the experiment goes. 
Awesome. Um, Guys, one more, one more, one more thing that I want to bring up outside of just outside of the macro is over the course of the next week, as I'm leading up to the show, obviously it's going to be on Thursday, the 13th, really excited for that. I am doing two more drops that are surrounding Overstim before moving on to another series of NFTs. Um, the first one is I'm doing a foundation drop. So I'm doing the six canvases for the songs. Um, the, the canvas are like the background visuals that you see on Spotify. Mm -hmm. I'm going to drop those as visuals on foundation. Uh, and then I'm also going to, uh, over the past three months, I have been uh, doing a short film for Overstimulated. Uh, basically, every song, think of it as like one huge music video. Um, it's a it's six and a half minutes long. It's basically condensed, condensed versions of each song, all kind of tell a story. Uh, it was directed by Girl of the Year, who's someone that, she's, she's my creative director. I've worked a lot with her, Lisa Morrell, mm -hmm. over the, really like since we've met. And um, that's going to be dropping on Glass Protocol. Uh, whether whether it's going to be this week or next, but those are kind of the two projects surrounding Overstem that I forgot to mention that I I would feel remiss if I didn't that are coming. Amazing, uh, I'm excited. I'll be taking a look and checking it out and, and keeping my eyes on the pulse with everything related to you guys. Uh, congratulations on everything. Congratulations on this on these last few months from October till now and seeing it come to fruition. I can only imagine how good that feels uh, and how excited you must be. So. Props to you guys. I hope you, you take a moment to celebrate and, and enjoy. But for now, before I let you guys go, where can we find you? Shield yourselves. Uh, shield destinations. Let it go. Go ahead, Henry. We can start with you. Uh, yeah, pretty active on Twitter. Uh, it's just my full name, Henry Chatfield. Um, and then, yeah, also in, in Daniel's Discord and a variety of other Discords. So you'll probably see me around, but Twitter's, Twitter's the best place to, to connect and follow. Cool. Daniel? Got to hit up the Daniel Allen Discord. That's where everything <laughs> lives. Outside of that, I'm at I'm Daniel Allen on Twitter and at Daniel Allen Music on Instagram. Amazing, guys. Thank you, and I uh, hope to have you guys again soon. Awesome. Thank you so much for having us, Adam. Thanks, Adam.